athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. We got a whole lot to get to on the program today. I'm going to talk a lot of NBA. First of all, we're going to be doing a live show from the Daytona 500 on Saturday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's noon or from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern time. Log on to our website at boxtorow.com and we're going to have a link where you can listen to the program or you can log on to bigsportsradio.com. BigSportsRadio.com, that's Saturday from noon to 2. We're doing a live show from the Daytona 500. Very much looking forward to that. was at the Daytona 500 a couple of years ago, and it was really, I mean, it was just a great experience. And I'm very much looking forward to the live show. I want you guys to really check that out. We're going to be talking a lot of different things, talking a lot of NASCAR, obviously talking a lot of Daytona 500. It's a radio road type of situation, so... You never know who we may have on the program. So, again, uh, tune into BigSportsRadio.com. That's the website doing a live version uh, from the press box to press row on Saturday from 12 to noon Eastern time. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central time. And it's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific time. BigSportsRadio.com. Very much looking forward to that. So, I want to talk some NBA today on the program, more specifically the Anthony Davis situation. I alluded to it last week, and, and some some things have evolved in terms of his playing time and what the Pelicans are doing right now. And, you know, again, as I alluded to last week, the uh, people that are suffering the most are the fans, particularly the Pelicans fans. And so this whole situation is just... It's an awful situation. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about um, the Lakers. Uh, that's just a bad situation also. A lot of different things with respect to the NBA that I want to talk about today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And by the way, um, for those that listen to us in Washington um, and those w- really Wizards fans around the country that listen to this program, um, <laughs> for the, the Wizards to be able to get rid of Otto Porter and his huge contract, he was not a max player. He got a max deal, wasn't a max player. I mean, in my opinion, when the Wizards gave Beal the max contract, he wasn't a max player, but Beal has really played into that contract. I think he's doing a really good job. I think Porter has regressed, and so for the Wizards to be able to get rid of Porter, I thought was absolutely splendid. We didn't talk a lot about that last week, but again, in talking NBA today, 
here on From the Press Box to Press Row. want to talk a little bit about the Wizards and the Porter trade. Also on last week, Major League Baseball lost an unbelievable giant. Frank Robinson passed away on last week. He was the only player in Major League Baseball history to win the MVP in both the National and American Leagues. He also was the first black manager in Major League Baseball. And so what I want to do today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, going to talk a little bit about the life and times of Frank Robinson. Also, replay an interview that we had with Frank Robinson some years ago. We we really got down with Frank Robinson in terms of some of the things we talked with him about, his playing days, of course, um, being the first black manager in Major League Baseball. So going to replay part of that interview in a tribute that uh, we're doing uh, with Frank Robinson, who, of course, passed away on last week. Also today, here on From the Press Box to Press Row, had been talking a lot, or a, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, talked a lot about Shaw guard Amir Hinton, and so had a chance to catch up with Hinton earlier in the week, went over to Shaw, and we had a, a really um, a long conversation, a candid conversation, like, Every, nothing was off limits. He answered all of the questions. And really, you know, it was the first time I had a chance to talk with him. I was really, I mean, quite frankly, blown away. You know, we talk with, I talk with a lot of college athletes on the program. And um, it, it, they're not obviously like pro athletes. They're not, a lot of uh, college athletes not necessarily trained to talk to the media per se. It's, it's it's a work in progress, and you'll see if you talk to younger athletes and then as they um, progress and then they become juniors and seniors after the, the athletic uh, communications departments has, have worked with these athletes, they're much better. I was really blown away by Amir Hinton in terms of um, his sort of his um, – not necessarily his poise, but the way he presented himself. And I think it's going to shine through in the interview that you're going to hear a little bit later on in the program. Again, had a chance to talk with Shaw guard Amir Hinton. And, I mean, I asked him, and I'll let him answer for you, but I essentially asked him, was this going to be a one-year thing at Shaw? Was he going to come back to Shaw on next year? He's a junior this year, and you're going to hear his answer. A little bit later on in the program. Want you to participate here on From the Press Box to Press Row? Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W. Share your thoughts. Um, again, you can share your thoughts on any of the topics that I touched on. Maybe it's a topic that I didn't touch on that you'd like to uh, make a comment on. Hit us up via Twitter again at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. Thank you to those listening to us on our great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. For instance, KAZI in Austin, Texas, carries from the press box to press row. WFSK in Nashville, Tennessee, carries the program. Um, I mean, just so many great affiliates. WURK in Tampa, Buzz Sports Radio uh, in Raleigh, Durham in the Triangle, as well as Hot 97.9 in Raleigh. Of course, those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 and those listen that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. 
I want to start with the Kyler Murray situation. Kyler Murray has chosen to play in the National Football League over Major League Baseball. And I think this is the right move. At the end of the day, you can make more money in Major League Baseball. There are no guaranteed contracts. You look at all of these uh, these these contracts that are out here. And so you can make more money in Major League Baseball. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The thing about the National Football League, I mean, and there's much more of a risk in terms of getting injured and all of those type of things. I think one of the things that Murray was kind of looking at is, OK, where am I going to be drafted? What are people saying um, about me, the stature and all of those things? And I think that sort of the consensus and I'm no expert, but as I listen to various so-called experts and draft analysts and so forth and people that scout talent, um, this is a kid that's going to be able to stick He's Definitely going to be a first-round pick. His stature is not necessarily going to be a, a – it's not going to be a situation where if you look at, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I mean, Michael Vick sort of revolutionized the game from a smaller quarterback position and what that smaller quarterback could do. Kyler Murray is smaller than even Michael Vick was and at least shorter than Michael Vick was. But I, I in watching Kyler Murray play, this is a guy that can play on the next level. He can make the throws – and he is super duper fast. So now that he knows, okay, he has not only a shot to play in the National Football League, but I mean, he may have a you know an opportunity to, to be um, competing for a starting job once he is drafted in the first round. It was sort of an easy decision. When you look at Major League Baseball, I mean, there's a lot that that goes along with that. Certainly, he got the guaranteed money from the Athletics or the Oakland A's. He was going to have to go into the farm system, and who knows? I mean, it may take – I mean, these are – I, mean, I don't know, but my understanding is a really good baseball player, but even really good baseball players. I mean, you let's, let's look at – let's take Bryce Harper as an example. I mean, when he was coming out of high school, I mean, this kid was an absolute phenomenon. But it took him ultimately, what, two, three, I, I don't know, maybe four years to ultimately – be able to play with the Nationals, maybe two or three years or so to be able to play with the Nationals. So you're looking at sort of that time frame before you really get that true money. And there's no guarantee. I think with even though in the National Football League, uh, contracts aren't guaranteed, but signing bonuses, the money is guaranteed. And I think let's just say for an example, he becomes a 13 pick. Well, the way that the National Football League has it, you you have – you know, I, I think it's a situation where based upon where your pick is picked is what kind of money you can get or you maybe you can't get any less uh, than that money in, in the first round. So with that being said, that means he's going to get his money. At the end of the day, he's going to get his money. And a guy like that is going to stick. I mean, even if he turns out to be a bust, it's going to be, you know, th- three, four, five years before – before in fact he would be out of the National Football League if you will I don't think that's going to happen but what I'm saying is he's definitely going to get his money he's going to get his money up front in Major League Baseball it takes a little bit more time to be able to get that money so I think he's definitely making the right move in terms of going to the National Football League and who knows there's still that open possibility I mean I don't know you know that that Deion Sanders 30 for 30 piece came out a little bit uh, ago. I mean, who knows? I mean, he, he may have a situation where he could play both. I doubt it. Um, but 
you know, in the interim, I think he definitely made the right move in terms of picking the National Football League and picking uh, to play football. Let me switch gears because I'm 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 uh, got limited time here, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the Anthony Davis situation and um, you know it's just a, a you know it's just a bad situation again for the fans in New Orleans. I mean they want to be able to have a winner. I think they you know they have a once in a, you know they have a player that is I mean. I don't know, maybe a once in a generation player, if you will, in Anthony Davis. And, you know, again, as I said last week, I mean, I would just have liked for Anthony Davis to play his contract out, which goes, which is up after next season. He never struck me as a guy that would want to publicly come out. I think his agent ultimately said he needed to do so. And then we had this whole fiasco with the Lakers and the Pelicans. I'm up against the break. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. Up next. My conversation with Shaw guard Amir Hinton. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's beef jerky online at marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's marjoriesbeefjerky.com, or call them toll-free, 844-340-7600. One three. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train. With our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Brought to you by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Visit them at HarlemBeerNC.com. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. So the families that went through the struggle. Yeah. From the heart. It was all from the heart. Everything was real. Yeah. Dwelling in the past, flashbacks when I was young. Whoever thought I'd have a baby girl and three sons. Still to come here on from the press box to press row with the passing of Frank Robinson on last week. We're going to have a tribute to Frank Robinson replay part of the interview that we had with him some years ago. As I mentioned earlier in the week, had a chance to go over to Shaw University and sit down with star guard Amir Hinton. Had a chance to talk with him about a number of different things. I believe you're going to enjoy the interview, so let's get right to it. The interview I had earlier in the week with Shaw guard Amir Hinton. Doing great, man. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the season to this point for the Shaw Bears. I know it's been a bit of an up and down, but more recently you guys won like a three-game winning streak. Right. Um, we had to just 
come together. Uh, we've been having some ups and downs, like you said. Uh, for us, it's just putting together, gelling, and um, pulling together some wins, some big wins, actually, uh, going into the CI. But uh, I think we're going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, for you, I mean, you know, you look at me, you're setting records all over the place. You're, first of all, I got now my label for you is the James Harden of college basketball, not just Division Two basketball, but, but but college basketball. So talk about your game, because, I mean, when you look at the fact that you shoot 89 percent from the free throw line, but more specifically, I mean, you got you got you ta- you've taken more free throws than anybody. Right. Um, well, for me, um, I'm just I'm trying to make the, the defender. Um, follow me as much as possible because it's easy for free throws is easy uh for me that's something i work on so i feel like if i can get to the free throw line i can get how faster uh the faster i get to the free throw line the um like the the most i I think i score i start getting going uh, for that game but um for me it's just having fun um trying to calm myself down and just have fun with the sport that's 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 the main thing for me though you were at Lock Haven, so so talk about two years at Lock Haven, where you led the team at least um, last year. You led the team in scoring. I don't, I'm not sure about your about your freshman year, but you know, sort of speak to that time at Lock Haven and, and being in the uh, in a, in another pretty good league in the PSAC. Um, I was young when I first got there, so uh, I had to I had to learn a lot. And um, had so to, you're not young now. I mean, I still I, I'm still young, but uh, you know, I was younger. Um, my first years in college and stuff, but yeah, I just I, I wanted to have fun with that um, and just learn as much as possible going into that season, that chance that that uh, me transferring from from high school to um, college and just you know getting used to the the bumps and the physic the physical part of the game. But for me, I had fun. I had fun at Lockhaven just scoring and allowing people to see that I can score the ball and stuff on a different level. So it was fun for me. How come you were so, you know, I mean, you're getting a lot of a lot of um, publicity uh, particularly as a guy that's on a, at a smaller school level and you and even though you're at Shaw you started out on, at a small school level so how, how did you get so far under the radar um, playing and being me um, I just trying to let my game uh, speak for itself and just and just have fun for me I'm big on just trying to have fun but uh, just let my game speak for itself and then trying to let everything else take care of itself but um, me getting the publicity and um, people starting to see and notice me, that's actually good for me because it's telling me I'm doing something right or I'm doing something, doing something I'm supposed to be doing uh, off the court. So for me, I'm just enjoying it. And it's just I'm blessed to, you know, for everything that's happening, I'm blessed for everything. Sure. But I mean, in terms of um, were you, were you under recruited? I mean, how did you know why you I mean, with the talent level you have and the way you're playing right now, most would say and I think you can make it anywhere. It doesn't matter. But most would say, well, this. You know he should be playing maybe at least D1 ball. Um, yeah, I get that a lot. Um, but for me, it was uh, just not really taking it serious in my my earlier years, and not really taking trying to like taking school serious and stuff like that. So for me, I had I had the schools and I had stuff like that going going into my 12th grade year. Schools were looking to me, but I just was having trouble with the SATs and stuff like that. So I had to go a different route. But for me, it was just trying to make the best of whatever route I had to take. I, had, I tried to make the best of that and um, just like take care of self. Amir Hinton is the nation's leading scorer. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. How did so two years at Lock Haven, where you were scoring, doing good things? How do you ultimately end up at Shaw? Here at Shaw. Um, well, I got my release paper. Once I figured out I was leaving um, Lock Haven, we you know we bounced around, talked to a lot of variety of schools, and 
try to see if I wanted to go D1 and sit out a year or how that, you know, the NCAA has a, has their own rules. But um, for me, I wanted to play right away. So uh, I wanted to go, and if I knew I wanted to play right away, I wanted to go to a program that could possibly get me to the uh, next level, which is the NBA. That's my that's my higher goal for myself. And um, we got connected with the, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, and we just put together a plan and here we are, we, we here, we trying to make the best of it, we having fun while we here. Yeah. What what made Shaw the right fit? What why why you to your point you probably could have had your fill of where you wanted to go. Why Shaw? Um, well, for me it was um really the the coach. I wanted to be coached. Like I, I wanted to be coached by a person that had experience and a person that could get me where I wanted to be. Again, um, and and I seen him play and I kind of like the atmosphere. That how everybody's in tune with basketball in uh, North Carolina, not only North Carolina, but like down here in this down south uh, area, uh, opposed to where I came from, it was more wrestling. And, you know, so at, when I came here, I kind of like what's going on and how people are really in tune to it. And it's like a basketball state and city. So that's the main thing that really brought me down here. And, it's, you know, it's a lot of different schools around. Do you like Duke? So it's, it's obviously a lot of basketball going on down here. So I really just wanted to be in a, a real basketball environment where real basketball heads live and play at. Philly, man. Talk about growing up in Philly, playing ball in Philly. It's 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 different. I mean, I know you're in college, but to your point, it's different playing up north and playing in Philly than it is playing in Raleigh. Yeah, it's way different. Um, I had it. Growing up, I played outside a lot. Uh, it wasn't really AAUs and, and, and camps and stuff like and training camps and stuff like that. For me, it was outside on, on, on concrete. And um, growing up playing in Philly, was it was tough, but it was fun. I mean, it, it grew me to the person I am today, but it, it helped me, you know, get used to the physical part of basketball. Not only that, add some other stuff to my game, like street things to my game and carry them over to, you know, uh, organized basketball. So everything I do, I say I do, I, I've learned from, you know, street street-based basketball and I just had to you know make some adjustments and learn as I go how to play and adjust it to the uh, organized basketball but it was fun growing up in Philly for me playing basketball because all that's all we did um, growing up was go to the park and play basketball yeah what's the reason you decided to leave Lock Haven um I want to I want to explore like other things I know I, I felt like I, I was there for a little while it felt like a while to me but I think it was just time for a change it was just time for me to you know, go out and and just play somewhere else. For me, it was just time for a change. I wanted a new environment, a new atmosphere. Um, so that that's what really pulled me away from. It wasn't nothing in particular about the school or about the coach and or about the team. I had fun, great coach. You know, everything was everything was great up there. But I think it was just time for a change for me to make a next another jump in my you know my basketball. I didn't want to wait too late. So what um what did you know not necessarily about Shaw per se but about the CIAA as a whole because i mean i mean i, I my my you know this is the first time we're talking but my thing is if it's anywhere you wanted to go it would be a school in the CIAA because of the exposure they're on TV and then also that CIAA tournament um i did i, I knew very little about uh the CIAA even the school i mean i knew a little bit about the school but i didn't know so much about it to the point where it's like that's the school I wanted to go to, you know what I'm saying? So, but about the CI, I, I know I heard about the atmosphere, the exposure, um, how intense, you know, the games is. Just from playing in it now, I see how in tune the crowd and the fans is, and even uh, playing, playing them playing on TV for the, t- uh, the tournament. That's the first time I really um, got the scene shots. They played 
uh, on, on televised uh, last year against, I think, Virginia Union. Yeah. And, 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 and once I seen that, it, it seemed like it was no different than a Division One uh, program, just seeing them on te- television and get, seeing the exposure they got. So I just felt like, you know, I can go there and, and probably change the change the culture or change something within, like, people just looking into, like, going to D1, you know what I'm saying, going to D1 and doing what they do. So that, for me, it's just doing something different um, and just trying to stick and go through with it. What was your first time like? Take us through your first time playing in this gym. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, man, the game against Livingstone was off. It was crazy. Um, you know, the game against Fayetteville State was crazy, too. But your first game playing here at Spalding Gymnasium. Um, my very first game there uh, here was, I think, East Charlesbury. Yeah, it was fun. Um, at first, it was quiet. Everybody was looking, who's this kid? Who's the new kid? Um, is he is he as good as it? You know, nobody really knew me. Um, they knew very little of me. But uh, once I started going and started showing people, you know, uh, I can play the game and, you know, stuff like that. The love, that's when the love started uh, coming and people started, you know, wanting to, to meet me or want to talk to me. It was just, it was just all love. Uh, my first game was fun. I didn't expect the atmosphere to be the way it was. Uh, I just expect, you know, people to come to the game and everybody, you know, chair and stuff. But it was it was a great atmosphere. I, I, I think I fell in love with, you know, the crowd and the stuff like that about this school, my first, uh, my first two games of the season. Shaw guard Amir Hinton joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. How do you keep a, a level, your head level? Like, it's got to be exciting, man, not only to have all of this notoriety, but also, you know, we were here a couple of weeks ago. Golden State was in the building. You know, the Brooklyn Nets were in the building. So how are you able, how do you keep, a, a, you know, your head level knowing that, you know, whether it's next year or the year after that, you know, you're going to get your shot at the NBA? Um. I just, I just try to pray because I know I'm not perfect. You know, I know I'm going to have my ups and downs as a player. Every player does. Uh, might be off one day. Might something, Anything might happen, but understand that I'm going to make mistakes. But uh, I got to understand that I got to learn from my mistakes, this, like going going on this, this far, like in playing basketball because, you know, but for me it's just trying to help my – trying to keep myself calm and, you know, find different ways – that I can keep myself calm on the court because sometimes, you know, some things happen on the court. But just trying to find different ways to keep myself calm and um, and block out all the negativity and all and, and all the things that's 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 coming that that comes with basketball and comes with you know everything that's going on. But for me, it's just blocking everything out. Um, and if I need somebody to talk to, I talk to my family or something like that. Not really trying to focus on oh, what what, what teams coming in today or. I got to perform a certain amount of, or put up a certain amount of numbers and stuff like that. I just try to play and have fun with everything that's going on. More of the interview with Shaw Star guard Amir Hinton after this small pause for the cause. This is From the Press Box to Press Row. Back here on From the Press Box to Press Row, let's pick up again. Had an interview with Amir Hinton, star guard for Shaw. He's an NBA prospect, as a matter of fact, and We'll go to the rest of that interview right now. Did you now. expect it to be? I mean, I know you have always been confident in your game. I, I'd expect nothing less from a Philly kid, right? But did you expect – because, again, to the point, I mean, you, you had a good season last year, but this is on a whole nother level. So did did uh, did you think it was going to be like this once you came here? Um, Yeah, okay. I did. I mean, 
I, I gotta be I gotta be confident yeah, in myself. Please. I did because I I put in a lot of work. This part is one of my my best summers of playing basketball. As far as working out, weight room, waking up every day at six o'clock in the morning, running on the track, just different things like that. This was probably my best summer with that. So I felt like I had no choice to to carry over because I I, I put in so I put in the work prior to the season, but. Some stuff going on, does it surprise me? I, I can't say yeah, but some stuff does because it's like because I don't really pay attention sometimes. I, I don't know until after the game or when, some, when somebody tell me. But, yeah, I, I expect uh, a lot of stuff that's going on because I, I keep myself to a, a whole higher like, goals. And I put – I weigh on myself a lot about, you know, uh, performing and doing what I got to do. So, you know, yeah. Your coach, I mean, I've known Joel for, for many years, and before I had a chance to see you play and you were putting up these 52 points here, 49 points there, you were putting up all these numbers. On Twitter, he said that Amir Hinton is a once-in-a-generation player. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I mean, he coached Flip Murray, he coached Tracy McGrady, right? So what, is, what does that mean to, to hear a coach like that, even though he's your coach, say that about you? who coached and an, a whole pro basketball Hall of Famer and then a player that had a really good NBA career? Um, it means a lot, actually, because he, he's seen and been through a lot of professionals and everything. Everything with basketball that, you know, people could think of, he's some form been through that with the professionals and stuff like that. So for him to compare me to a certain player even or even give me a good compliment, that's great for me. Um, that gives me confidence, that uplifts me. Um, but that also tells me that he see, he believes in me, he trusts me, he sees something, he sees something in me that he didn't see in another player or, or such. So that's it's good for me. It's actually great for me um, that he's that, that he's giving me that notoriety on on that stage. But yeah, that's good for me. That's good for me. Easy the easy comparison when you when you think about you is to Flip Murray. He's from Philly. He played here. Did a lot of really great things in two years. Led this uh, program to the CIAA championship back in 2002. What, how much did you know? Really know about? I mean, you were young, much younger, obviously, than Flip. But what did you know about Flip? And what does that kind of comparison mean to you? Oh, uh, I knew he was a hard-nosed player. Tough, Philly, right? Philly, yeah, Philly. tough. Uh, I actually watched him play a couple times growing up in different summer leagues in the neighborhood. Um, but. I knew he, he, he just—he's not scared of nothing on the court. And he shows that he showed—he he showed that he's not scared. I actually, looked went back and looked at certain stuff like film and stuff. Showed that he wasn't scared on the court. Um, I don't know. You got—he got that kind of like that grit and just dog to him. Um, so, if, to be honest, if I say one thing that I—I'm kind of taking from it—is you gotta have that dog. You gotta have that dog mentality that you want to go get it. And that's, that's something he had. So, that's yeah. What about this free throw thing, man? Like, when I look at the D2 stats, you're like 40 free throws in terms of attempts ahead of the next guy. You're shooting 80. I mean, to me, you know, typically on the college level, it's not like officials know players per se. But they, you, you, get some, you get some calls. So talk about that. You're averaging, and that's partly why I call you the James Harden of, of college basketball, in excess of 13 free throw attempts per game. Right. Um in the gym, I just was in the gym last night working on different things like how I can, you know, trick the defense into following me because it makes it so easy. It makes the game so easier for me and for the and for my teammates. Like, you know, 
get you get a rest when I'm at the line. I, I think about that. You get a rest when you're at the line, so you get to you know calm yourself down. Uh, you get to slow the game down. The clock is not moving, especially if you're down in whatever situation the game is in. But for me, um, getting to the line is important for me. And, and, and once I get to the line, I gotta knock them down because you know it's free throws. But once I seen how, how, how many times I was getting to the line, I was kind of impressed with myself because my last two years in Lockheed, I didn't even get to the line. Then. I mean, I got to the line, but not that much. Like, I probably shot like 200-something free throws already. But right. that's, that's, that's big for me going into the season because I told myself, you know, you want to get going early, you need to get, you need to, get to the line if, if your jump shot not falling, if stuff, if stuff not going for you. But that's, it's big for me. Like, I'm, that's actually an accomplishment that I had on my, my, my list, just getting going and getting to the line. So now that, now that I see I can, you know, get that part of my game going, now we're just trying to keep – you know, uh, exploring different like options and stuff I could do to try to keep getting to the line as much as I can. Thirty-two free throws in one game. Come on, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that, no, that is crazy. <laughs> that, that's that's crazy because I I didn't even know. You know, I'm just playing it sometimes, so I'm not even. I'm just going to the line. I'm not even like thinking like, well, this is the twelve. This is my twelve time going to the line. This third, you know. So right. once the end of the game comes, somebody came up to me like, man, you shot. Or a ref actually said, you know, you shot 30. 30. What, what ref? The ref that was calling your game? Man, I don't, man. I don't know, but a ref, a ref said it. I said, I said in my head, wow, man, I, I shot. That's a lot of free throws to get to the line. So it was basically like I was just at the line the whole night. So that was great for me. Whatever ref called that game, <laughs> I need to find out because we need him to ref the next couple of games. <laughs> so also for you, what are some of the things you feel like you can improve on in your game? Um... Staying calm. Sometimes I'm so I'm so I'm such of a passionate player. Sometimes I'm overly passionate. Um, for me, I'm just working on just keep learning how to stay composed. You know, stay stay focused and just stay you know stay level headed. And uh, far as on the court go, just keep tweaking and keep and keep um, doing different things in my game and keep learning, trying to elevate my game. You know. My shot, seeing what things I have to work on, my shot, footwork, just different stuff. Everything, every aspect in the game I want to keep um, getting better at. But for me, it's really keeping my head on, you know, while everything is going on in this process. I know it's going to be, I know it's a little tough with everything going on, but just keeping my head straight and, and, and knowing that I got to have fun because it's, everybody don't get this opportunity and this could be taken away from me tomorrow. So I got to just enjoy it while it's here. You seem to, you know, sort of have a plan and have things calculated. So is is this could this be a situation where Amir Hinton plays three years of college basketball moves on? Um, yes, absolutely. I, I I'm, I'm confident. In, I'm, I have confidence in myself and and my coaching staff and, and you know everybody that's around me that's you know trying to get this thing going. But I'm confident. Um, I think I think um, I could do something that hasn't been done in a long time. But it's up to me. And I understand that. Like, I understand it's up to me. I understand every action, everything I, I do is up to me to, uh, from, from this point on to get myself to the next level. But I really I really do believe that uh, we could I, I could do something that hasn't been done in a long time. I really do. So do you feel like um, that um, – is there a scenario where you may come back for another year here, Sean? Um, at this point right now, no. Um, I feel like I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I'm real religious. So I don't know if it's, got, I don't know if it's just my calling. Cause I, I don't know, but I just feel like it's, 
it's time, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's time. It's just up to me to put the work in and up to me to get up and up to me to work out and up to me to do, like, do these little things that's going to help me get to the next level. But for me, yeah, I, I got a great support system. Everything around me is – everybody supports me. I got like, my family, everybody. So I just feel like it's just up, it's just up to me. Um, I, don't, I just don't think I should wait right, right now, you know, I went. I set out a year. You know, I, I did that. I did that whole thing. Set out a year. Couldn't go to the, my dream school. You know, it's just a lot of stuff that happened. But I think it's just time for me. I think it's time. Any, any, uh, like whether famous players, uh, NBA guys, anybody that's, you know, hit you up on Twitter and said, man, we're, you know, I've seen what you've done, or man, you shot 32 free throws in a game, or any, anything like that. Are, we, are you even on Twitter? Um, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> That's the first question. Yeah, yeah, I'm not on. I'm, I'm on like Instagram here and there, uh, yeah. but Twitter, I don't, I don't, know, I don't really want to have every social media. It's kind of distraction. But, um, I talk. I got some advice from Tracy McGrady. He gave yeah. me some good advice, some some great advice actually, just telling me different things. How, you know, doing the process with, with what they looking for, just different stuff. I asked him a couple questions, and he, he was he answered them with open arms. So, um, just players like him, Al Harrington. He, he he gave me a call. He just gave me some some advice and stuff like that. Uh, it's a couple a couple players and people that really that's really into the you know the game into that 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 category. But they gave me a lot of good advice, so I'm just taking it all in. A couple of more thoughts. They, they just uh, do you are you able to? Well, I guess you're not able to get home per se, but do you sort of sort of miss Philly? Because even when you were at um, you know up north, uh, yeah, you you were you were home, right? Um, yeah, Lock Haven. I was three hours, three hours away. That's not bad, but it's middle of nowhere, mountains, cold and stuff like that. But being down here, um, sometimes I miss home. Nothing like home, but I understand. I'm I'm on a mission right now, so I gotta sacrifice something. I'm gonna see home, home ain't going nowhere. It'll be there when I, you know, when everything unfolds. But I miss I miss I miss my family more than anything. But right now they understand. They call me every day, check on me, make sure I'm okay. And, my mom, she even flies out here, here and there, get to a game, my sisters and stuff like that. So it's not like I'm away from home, but I'm, I'm really not. And you know, I'm getting to like I'm. It's not like I'm, I'm out here by myself. You get what I'm saying? So, but yeah, being away from home, it was tough at first. At first, coming out here was real tough. It was I, I wanted to be home because it's like I'm so far. I don't know nobody, stuff like that. But I got used to it. I adjusted. So everything's fine now. And where'd you, where'd you go to high school? Uh, Abington, Abington Senior, Senior High School. Um, in Willow Grove area. Yep. All right, Amir Hinton joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, averaging 31.5 points per game, also shooting in ex- at right about 89% uh, from the free throw line. Amir, we appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. No problem, problem. You know, I came away from that interview extremely impressed. And by the way, after we were done, he said, you know, he shook my hand and said, thank you, sir, and, you know, went on about his uh, – went on about his business, but, um, you know, again, and as a matter of fact, Shaw played Winston-Salem State on Wednesday. Shaw comes away with that victory, and uh, in the building was Toronto, San Antonio, Detroit, and Brooklyn. As a matter of fact, this is the second time that I know of that Brooklyn has been at Spalding Gymnasium, and oh, by the way, also in the building, a legend, Carolina legend, Phil Ford was there. And then also I've seen Derek Wittenberg, of course, of NC State fame a couple of times at uh, Shaw game. So everybody wants to get a peek of what he can do. And, you know, I think he's you know, I think he's legit. I think he's got a legitimate opportunity 
to play in the NBA. He's definitely a pro, uh, a pro prospect, no question about that. But I think he's got a definite opportunity to play in the NBA. And by the way, on this show, we've had exclusive interviews with the two leading scorers in the nation. You look at Amir Hinton and then also uh, Chris Clemens of Campbell, who put 48 up on Hampton the other day. Still more to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row on the other side. The radio program that's talking sports from New York City to Cali and globally on the World Wide Web. From the Press Box to Press Row continues after this. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Great Frank Robinson passed away on last Thursday at the age of 83. And uh, 10 years ago here on from the press box to press row, Frank Robinson joined us on the program, really got to talk with him uh, about uh, all of the great things that he was able to accomplish. And as a tribute, want to replay part of that interview with Frank Robinson as he joined us 10 years ago here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Well, probably when I show up on the field and around the players, they won't say, oh, here he comes. <laughs> what did I do now? <laughs> uh, it's just a different assignment. Uh, that was for discipline uh, area reasons, and uh, I had to do a lot of fines and suspensions to the players, uh, uh, managers, coaches, uh uh, deal with umpires, so I don't have that. I'm just kind of dealing with uh, overall issues of uh, situations in baseball now. I'm involved with the academy down in uh, uh, Compton, California. Mm-hmm. It's been in existence for about a year, uh, better now, and uh, I'm working some on the diversity, uh, you know, hiring in baseball. And also just anything that uh, generally Solomon would, uh, you know, might feel like he wants me to uh, get involved in. Frank Robinson joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Prior to managing the Expos and in Washington Nationals, you hadn't managed for some time. Uh, you were working for MLB uh, at a time when the Expos were owned or, or just had become owned by uh, Major League Baseball. Is managing uh, this time with the Expos something you wanted to do or was it kind of a, a thing where you, you kind of did it and you were reluctant to do it because you were employed by Major League Baseball? No, it had nothing to do with me being employed by Major League Baseball. I was reluctant to do it because uh, I had felt like I'd had my fill of managing, not that I was 
uh, disgusted or anything like that. I don't mean it that way. What I'm saying is I had uh, four shots at managing Major League Baseball, and I just felt like it was time to move on and do something else. And I was very comfortable in the job that I was doing here mm-hmm. uh, at the time at, at the Major League Baseball in the commissioner's office. And uh, when the commissioner asked me if I would uh, do uh, that for him, manage the Montreal Expos, and uh, was assured that it was only for one year because uh, Minnesota and the uh, Expos were supposed to be, uh, you know, contracted at the time mm-hmm. after one year. So I said, for one year, why not? Because I had been out of it for a while, and I was uh, enthusiastic about it and fresh about it, and I just felt like I, it was something interesting to do and help out Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do it, figuring it would be one year. And, and of course, it it turned into to more than that. And I mean, when you you know your last couple of years, especially with the Nationals, you know, were you having fun? And and I mean, the the thing about it in 2005, I mean, your club were was really in the thick of things in the NL East. But but how difficult was it not uh, to be asked back as a manager? And how did you enjoy your time in D.C. And and would you manage again? Well, go back was no. I, I don't think I'd manage again. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, uh, I enjoyed uh, my uh, the two years in D.C. It was uh, it was exciting. It was fun. Uh, the fans were very enthusiastic. Uh, the players uh, performed well for me. They did. They gave me everything they had. Uh, played with a lot of energy, and uh, it, it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, uh, I uh, have nothing. You know, managing has been fun. Mm-hmm. Managing has been fun. It's, it's not a, an easy job. It never has been an easy job. But uh, it's getting a little tougher now. But uh, if you have players that go out and, like I say, play the game the way it's supposed to be played and play hard, uh, it, it's enjoyable now and it's fun and uh, it's it's worthwhile. Frank Robinson joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. A lot of what has been touched on with this being the 60th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier uh, is the lack of African-Americans playing baseball. Uh, you know, we've had a couple of people on this show. We've had Ken Williams. We've had the late Buck O'Neill. And, you know, I always ask them the same thing. Why do you think there's a lack of blacks in, in baseball? And, and is Major League Baseball doing enough to promote the game to blacks or get blacks into the game? And, and is it part of their responsibility? Well, you know, I can sit here and give you my reason, and there's no one clear reason of why there's a lack of uh, Afro-Americans in baseball now, and everybody has an opinion, and and I don't think any of us know exactly why. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a problem. It didn't start a year or so ago. It didn't start a couple of years ago. This has been going on for quite some time now, Mm -hmm. the decline of Afro-Americans in baseball, and, and everybody kind of ignored it, all of us kind of ignored it and didn't pay any much attention to it. And if we did, we, you know, didn't do anything about it or say anything about it. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if baseball, uh, how much they're doing, but I know they're reaching out more than they did in the past to try to keep uh, 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 the the tennis of Afro-Americans up and also to have Afro-Americans in baseball. But the times have changed. You go in different directions. Uh, There's more of an influx of uh uh, Latinos in baseball now, and more uh, uh, Asians in baseball. It's, it's kind of a worldwide game now where the talent is coming from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So that's going to cut down on somebody. And uh, it's the reasons why, other than football, you know, the the, the, the real today excuse for uh, lack of Afro-Americans in baseball, well, the young Afro-Americans are going into football and basketball. 
And I shoot that down right quick. I say, are you telling me that's the only athletes we have now that's the ones that are playing football and, and, and basketball? Mm-hmm. No, there's much more talent out here in, in this country. And there's a lot more youngsters out there would love to play the game or should be playing the game. And uh, we have to find out the reason why. And uh, it's not just sitting here and us saying and giving our reasons. We've got to find out from the, the, the people that are involved in this and the ones that are not doing it. That's the young people of this country. Frank Robinson joining us here on the program. Just talk to us a little bit about your days with, with Cleveland and Baltimore. Of course, you won uh, MVP uh, honors in both the American or National and American League. Just, just talk to us about those days and how baseball, if at all, has changed since then. Well, you know, we always say baseball has changed. The game of baseball has not changed, really. Uh, it's the people in it, and some of the rules and regulations have been changed. But the game is played the same way it was, it's been played ever since it was invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, the days in Cleveland was basically uh, at the end of my career. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was I was a player manager there and then a manager, but I, didn't, I wasn't there for very long. And I should, actually, I should have said since, I'm sorry, I should have said Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati well, Cincinnati was. was the learning years. Basically, the first 10 years of my career mm-hmm. was the learning years and, and polishing the diamond and, 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 and coming into uh, be a good Major League ball, consistent Major League baseball player. And I appreciate that, that time and the effort that the Cincinnati Reds uh, gave me and showed, and showed me because I got off to a rough start and they stayed with me. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed those 10 years of Cincinnati. And uh, I was very... Uh, uh, hurt and uh, taken aback uh, when I was traded to, to Baltimore in 19, uh, the winter of 1965. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was a blessing in disguise because I went over there and they had a good ball club and I fit in very well and uh, we uh, brought it together in 66 and won a championship in 66 and 70 and uh, it was a tremendous six years that I spent there, an enjoyable six years and uh, I uh, you know, got a lot of recognition for my play individually and uh, team-wise. We were very successful, and that helped me and me as a person and in my personal life and me in my baseball career. So those were six fun years and enjoyable years in uh, in Baltimore. You know, J- Jackie Robinson. I mean, he he faced insults and, and outright blatant racism during his career. Of course, he broke into uh, the majors April fifteenth, nineteen forty-seven, nineteen forty-seven with the Dodgers. Uh, describe to us what it felt like uh, personally for yourself having to endure some of that same blatant ris- uh, racism and discrimination. Well, it's not fun. You know, it, it, a lot of times you feel like you're not a human being the way some things people say to you, and you seem like, you know, you're not uh, as good uh, a human being as uh, maybe a, a lighter-skinned individual or a white uh, Caucasian individual, and but you know you are. And you have to endure an awful lot of things that you shouldn't have to to uh, to try to further your uh, career and, uh, and and move on to do what you want to do. And I was the dead set against letting something that that uh, someone else was saying or doing to me or trying to do to me to keep me from trying to reach my goal, and that was to play in the major leagues and and be successful at the major league level. And so you uh, did whatever you did had to do to uh, to do that. And I wasn't gonna let anything, uh, you know, stop me. But it's not a fun time. It's not an easy uh, situation. But you have to be awful tough. You can't let people stop you from trying to achieve the goals that you want to stop just because they're hurling uh, insults at you. Because physically they can't hurt you. 
if they don't uh, attack you physically. Words can't hurt you, so you have to be thick-skinned enough to overcome those things and move on. Frank Robinson has been gracious enough to take out time from his busy schedule to join us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Last question, uh, Mr. Robinson. You know, Jackie Robinson made one of his last public appearances in 1972 at Riverfront Stadium uh, and announced that he had hoped uh, that one day there would be a black manager in Major League Baseball. When you heard that, uh, did you think he was talking about uh, you or to you? And did you think you would one day be a Major League manager? No, I didn't think he was talking to me. I think he was he was talking to baseball. Right. It's what he was doing at that time. That's the way I looked at it. Uh, I had made it known because uh, 1972, I was starting to come to the end of my career. Uh, I better be known that I would wanted to stay in baseball and I wanted to be a manager someday. And I never uh, set out to try to be, or my goal was to be the first uh, uh, Afro-American manager in, in baseball. Uh, I just wanted to be a major league manager. And uh, it so happens that I did become the first Afro-American manager in baseball, and I was very proud of that. And uh, in such a short period of time from that time that he made that statement to, to when I was hired, it was like two years, and uh, he was gone. And uh, I, I think I indicated, I did indicate it uh, when I was uh, uh, met the press uh, and announced that I was hired as the first black manager that I just, one of my wishes would be that he was, would have been able to see this uh, that day and uh, that would have been a perfect situation if he had been there but uh, I was uh, very proud to, to be named the first black manager. The late, great Frank Robinson who joined us on the program 10 years ago. I got to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Amir Hinton here on the program. The top 10 HBCU football recruiting rankings from Box Rose on our website right now. Log on to BoxToRow.com. Also, don't forget, on Saturday, we're broadcasting live from the Daytona 500 on Radio Row from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern. Log on to BigSportsRadio.com, BigSportsRadio.com on Saturday to listen to the live show. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented honey by now. DW Communications. Take me into your loving arms Kiss me under the light of a thousand stars Place your head on my beating heart I'm thinking out loud Maybe we found love right where we are When my head all but gone and my memory fades And the crowds don't remember my name 